Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Geek Apocalypse Podcast with yours truly, Mr. Stephen Hesse, and thank you so much for checking out the latest edition with Richard Kirby, who is a friend of us from Mentally Sound, which is the other part-time podcast that we have done that's currently on hiatus. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I was really excited to do this episode. Thank you so much if this is your first time listening. Uh, basically, just to let you know, we, my name's Stephen Hesse, and I'm from the Newcastle and northeast of England. And I basically sit down with a co-host sometimes, uh, uh, and, and definitely a guest, a different guest, every week and we talk about whatever's on our minds uh whatever the conversation goes is what happens and it's a conversation not an interview i'm not really a huge fan of that word and yeah we've had a whole bunch of people on obviously with this being close to upwards we're get heading towards 140 episodes right now uh yeah i've done quite a lot of them so over the next over the last uh three and a bit years so um, obviously, really enjoy doing it, and so uh, if this sounds like fun, please do consider subscribing to us on iTunes and whatever else. Uh, we really appreciate it, and geek underscore apocalypse if you want to follow us on the tweeties. Uh, but anyway, so uh, Richard Kirby uh, works for the NHS, which we touch on a tad, but that's not the main reason to have him on, is because when he went to uh, be involved in Mentally Sound, it was because he was doing a bunch of challenges, uh, as in he basically decided to do personal challenges such as um, being an amateur, would be in a boxing match with a with a world champion. Um, uh, do and one of them was to do a radio show, which is one of the reasons he wanted to be involved in mentally sound in the first place, is to be on a radio program. So he co-hosted a couple of episodes of that of that show with me, which was really fun. And I remember I like talking to him in the green room a little bit, which we uh, joke about in this episode. And yeah, but I never got the chance to actually like talk to him in a wider context. So I was thinking, how about you go on Geek Apocalypse? And he was like, okay, that sounds like fun. And I'm like, well, let's do it. So um, that's exactly what happened. So we arranged the time and we managed to do uh, over an hour or so. Um, and it was really fun and I really enjoyed it. It absolutely flew by. I mean, I got to about 50 minutes in this episode and, and I was like, wow, we've done 50 minutes already, um, which kind of is a good... I feel a good sign that we both did a good job, so I really think you guys are going to enjoy it. Just in terms of some of the stuff we talked about, we talk about mental health because the challenges he was doing was for time for cha- time to change, which is a really good mental health website that I often use to make sure I get my facts right about mental health related subjects. They're really good for that, so I obviously encourage you. Um, I encourage you to check out their website. So yeah, he decided based on his own mental health issues, which we touch on, to do all these challenges, and he's up to like something like ninety-five. Uh, challenges he's done of since January 2014, so I think the goal is to get to 100, so yeah, and he's doing Rowan on the 23rd uh, in Millsborough, I think, where he's based, so he touches on this towards the end, so yeah, um, it's a hugely fun episode, Richard's back anytime, if you go to richardkirby.org, you'll find more information other than this podcast, but huge thank you to him, and uh, as I said, please consider subscribing to us on iTunes, uh, but this is uh, the latest episode of Richard Kirby, enjoy! Booyah! So 
somebody who um, I've always wanted to kind of have a sit down and talk more to because the context for this is Richard Kirby, who's today's co- uh, guest, I should say, is was co-host uh, a few times of Mentally Sound, which is the other podcast slash radio show that I have done in the past, uh, the, at very least in 2016, which was a mental health show. Uh, and Richard sometimes very kindly, I remember there was one episode where he filled in for someone who was uh, sick and co-hosted it with me and I didn't know him before then and it was a really fun show and we did talk a little bit sort of afterwards but we haven't really had a chance to sort of sit down and talk a a, a long form like this because in radio shows the segments are often 10 minutes and you get guests on and all kind of thing so I thought hmm Richard is he interested in coming on Geek Apocalypse so I can actually sit and talk to him for up to an hour and he said yes let's do it and the fact it's been six months or so is really cool so I'm delighted to welcome Richard hello sir how are you? I'm very well. How are you? Good, sir. Yep, all good, thanks. Excellent. Um, so, I guess, as I've just touched on, with being that we've been on Mentally Sound, mm. um, which we were working out in before we started recording, was something like six months ago, but we might be wrong. Um, so, how have you been since then? Been up to? absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, I went out on a high as far as the show was concerned. I thought <laughs> it was an absolute belter. Um, it was. I liked it, yeah. But uh, yeah, just um, busy at work, and uh, and obviously the, uh, the 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 challenges that uh, that I've been undertaking, which was one of the main reasons why I came on the show um, in the first place, indeed, uh, are still still continuing. And uh, yeah, we're looking uh, looking forward to getting some new stuff done in in, in twenty seventeen as well. So pretty busy all around, actually. Yeah. yeah, which I'm glad you said that about your work because for those who. Obviously, there'll be people who haven't listened to Mentally Sound, and there might even be people who haven't listened to this, which is highly likely too. So, for the benefit of context, what is it? What does your work actually entail? Um, my actual day job um, is is within the NHS. I work within a clinical commissioning group. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, aside from from my day job, um, I've, I've been involved um, with with Time to Change for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they they call it a Champion or an ambassador. Not keen on either of the words, to be honest. But it's <laughs> champion a, sounds very geeky. It sounds yeah, like a D and D character or something. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a wonder horse to me. But you're, uh, you're probably old enough to remember it. Uh, <laughs> no, I know that champion of the wonder horse. Yeah, I get it. I get the reference. What it basically means is that uh, you know I I am prepared and happy to use sort of my own experiences. Yeah. Um. To to try and it's it. There's no fundraising involved. It's all raising awareness. But yeah. Um, but alongside that, sort of setting myself a series of uh, of challenges, tasks, little projects, whatever, um, just to just to kind of frame the whole project and uh, and, and just uh, use those to uh, to raise awareness. And it's built around. Um, uh, it's a bit of a tenuous link, Stephen. Sometimes, but it's built it's built around um, trying to show what you can achieve by being willing to ask for help. So I ask for help to uh, to maybe meet somebody or set up a, a sporting thing. Um, it comes off, and the, the link is, you know, if you're if you're willing or able to have the strength to uh, to ask for help in another context, uh, you don't actually know what you might achieve. Mm. Uh, some might think it's a tenuous link, but it, but it, but it does work for me. And uh, no, so we're, we're nearly three years into that now. Cool. Um, I have to say. Um you know, because I'm very care. I mean, obviously, when I mention things on this podcast, having done like you know, roughly about 140 of these or something now, is that um, one of the things that 
I often say is that if I ever mention a website or anything like that, or if a guest mentions something that I approve of, I always reiterate it. So um, I actually very often reference Time to Change, and I, I really like their website and some of the stuff that they do. Um, so I recommend people who are listening to this to check out the website to know more about what Richard's talking about because they're actually a really good um, you know, charity. They do some really cool things. And as Richard said, making aware, being more aware of um, you know, that th- there's help out there and what people go through is obviously very important. So um, can I ask then, so what, what was your... Did you have a particular issue that led you to them or did you just want to help people? Um. The background was that uh, um, the first year's sort of worth of challenges were to do with fundraising for Mind. Okay. Um, it was it was a it was a sort of partly to do with the fact that I, I had a big birthday. Um, okay. It's it, it's fifty if you've stopped recording it. So <laughs> um, and so I wanted to do something slightly different, but actually I wanted to have a charitable reason for for doing it as well. Yeah. Um, so by that stage. You know the, the the mental health side of things. You know had been important in my life for quite a while. So I thought we'd uh, we'd set a series of uh, of tasks for that year. But, uh, but subsequent to that, um, the fundraising actually is is one of the hardest parts of it all. It's uh, it's really demanding. Some people have a gift for just saying, "Please give me money," and everybody just dips into the pockets. Yeah. Um, I have the ability to send people scurrying in the opposite direction. So it's quite uh, that was quite difficult. So really, from there, it's a case of um, actually setting the, the tasks and preparing, planning, and everything—that's that was time-consuming enough. Yeah. So, so actually, time to change. Obviously, because they're you know they're, they're funded um, from from various agencies, uh, don't accept donations. Um, but I was really keen to support the work that they do, um, and I, I'm, I do it now. Um, I'm, a, I'm a wonder horse, both at work and at home. So. Uh, Nice. It's uh, it, it it works well. It's it's it, time consuming, but it's that it's that thought that somewhere down the line you might make a difference to somebody that keeps you going. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, in terms of your experience with mental health, was it your own experience with dealing with mental health, or was it just people like loved ones, or it people you knew? Um, it's 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 mine really. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite strange. I mean, the, the actual mental health, sh- uh, the mentally sound show, probably helped. In a sense, um, pin down the exact condition that uh, that, that I have because um, I'd been diagnosed with depression in inverted commas oh, about ten, twelve years ago. Yeah. Um, but it was it was what I thought was a, a label that really didn't sit very comfortably. Um, yeah. I didn't feel um, particularly unwell. I didn't feel particularly emotionally high and low. Uh, I felt kind of the way I'd always felt, but now somebody had told me I had this, I had a, a, a you know, a condition. Um, mm-hmm. But years of, of, of looking into it and trying to understand um, the, the way I felt about certain things and the way I reacted to certain situations um, linked in with the conversations I had with people like yourself and, and uh, Lexi, Gareth, who were all involved with uh, Mentally Sound at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, we... we it, it, it was basically pinned down that uh, what I actually have is a, is a condition called dysthymia, which is okay. chronic but mild. Okay. Um, and basically, the only reason I mean, I, I will have had this since I was probably eleven or twelve. Okay. Um, in those days, back in the uh, back in the sort of mid seventies when I'd have been around that age, um, it's anything that would have now been. Uh, recognised as mental health would have been classed as um, growing up, um, teenage <laughs> attitude. Yeah, yeah. 
and what have you. Um, what it actually is is effectively um, it, it, it mirrors depression in the sense that you, you have all the, the, the sort of feelings that, that that somebody who suffers from that would have, but on a much lower level. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't go to a, you wouldn't go to a GP or you wouldn't because ultimately you would you wouldn't feel unwell because you've, you've never felt any different. This mm-hmm. is this is this is a pattern that's continued for years. So you just assume that that is normal because you don't know any different. Yeah, nobody can tell you any different because. Exactly. Uh, um, and it wasn't until the, the, the reason for the visit to the GP was something um, not connected and uh, kind of one of these sort of traumatic life events that, that everybody goes through every now and again. And that was what sent me to the GP because it was like a, an episode on top of the, the existing condition that, that triggered things. Yeah. And actually, um, in, in sort of strict medical terms, mm-hmm. what I actually had was double depression. Okay. So what was diagnosed was the um, the reaction to the traumatic event. Okay. So that was diagnosed, treated, fine. Mm-hmm. But what wasn't treated was the underlying dysthymia because it was never mentioned or discussed because it had never not been there. If if, if you'll pardon the double negative. Yeah. Um, <laughs> apologies to all you listening for listeners for some shocking grammar. Um, <laughs> but, but, but it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. So so that that has never gone. Yes. Uh, it's never got dramatically better. It's never got dramatically worse. It, it's just there. It's that sort of, it's that low feeling when you wake up on the morning when you think, well, hang on, why do I feel like this? You just do. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it only came to, to a, you know, the, the reason for the GP surgery was basically an episode on top. So it was an amalgamation of things. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, I, I felt in a position where, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I'm, you know, right. I'm surrounded by people who care and understand. Um, I don't have many really bad days. You know, they're there and they yeah. happen, but nothing. It, it's nothing dramatic. But being on the show, speaking to yourself and, and everybody else who have their own stories to tell, and you know, whatever those stories may be, um, it just you, you you start to realise just the, the 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 extent of the problem and kind of the the impact that something that is essentially unseen can have on people yeah. and nearest and dearest and. For me, um, it's, it, it started out something that I, that I wanted to do, and, and it almost ends up being something that you feel like you need to do. Yeah, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not famous or you know instantly recognisable. My next door neighbour wouldn't even be able to tell you my name. So it's, Same for it, me. It, <laughs> so it, you know, you don't have that automatic profile that allows you to um, have your say, and people automatically listen. Mm-hmm. You've got to maybe do something just that little bit offbeat or slightly unusual to get a message across, in the hope that somebody somewhere will pick it up. And you know, the way that social media is, share it, share it, and all of a sudden it strikes a chord with somebody. Yeah, and um, I think there's a few things you said there which is fascinating because you're right. Um, the one, the unfortunate downside. Um, for social media in particular, because I stick with that because you just said that, is um, I think what the way I understood what you just said, which is a very important point, is that because I used to do this when I was going through some bad times, is that if you if you post, um, you know, or, or blog or something, uh, uh, something that is you know either depressing or about mental health, and it's usually 
when you feel you know the motivation to do that it's probably a bad point in your life and you're probably you know you know um talking about an, an episode or something or something you went through so by the fact that it has connotations of being negative it's less likely people are going to you know click on it because we kind of had we've got this sort of approach now especially in facebook is a good example of this where it's all like post you know positive things where like everything's like life is bloomy and great but it's like ignoring it's ignoring the fundamental things of that things go wrong and you need people yeah. and you need support and all this kind of thing but it's like we have an attitude of that the internet is like the friendly which is great i mean when you're well it's a great place to be but when you need you know someone out there to support you and sometimes when you are really in a vulnerable spot it's difficult to do that which is why i think like you say doing all these challenges and stuff means that if you do you need it's unfortunate it's like this but i guess it's not being aware that you know you need to do this is quite is quite clever because yeah unfortunately you need to do something extreme to get someone to go oh that's really cool you're going out there to like kind of let people be aware of it which um but it's a the the, the thing that i find interesting about that it's, it's it's almost a shame because it's like if only we reached a point but you kind of have to do these things to reach the level of that it's the it's the standard that we want of that we're, we're able to kind of say look i have this thing and it's part of who i am and it's part of my life but it isn't everything it doesn't define me um um, because some of the stuff, obviously, the stuff you said in relation to your um, your you know illness or disorder, whatever you want to call it, um, resonates with me really strongly with my bipolar disorder. Because um, what Richard just described is very much what happens in that you find a lot of people get diagnosed with the wrong thing, and then that can lead to you giving up. Because sometimes you get a diagnosis you're not happy with because it says like that's not really what I feel like. And it's funny you said about depression. That's exactly what happened with me is um, I got diagnosed as having severe depression when I was like 16 and I took antidepressants which helped for a bit but then I realize now if you read about bipolar disorder depression is a byproduct of bipolar disorder so it's for your thing like you said about your issue when you said you had an episode and you dealt with it with the trauma of an ep- of a thing that happened in your life um, that very often is a parallel in mine as well as that you know they give you something to kind of deal with a depressive side but then the root of what's bothering you is still there so it's the fact that once yes. they got rid of all the stuff that was bothering me they went oh like i'm still you know bipolar disorder and it's very nature is very morbid even though it's an up and down mood disorder it's very you have a very morbid outlook about things and so i wake up and have the same thing of like you know i just think oh why is life so horrible and i i don't want to do this and that but now so what this is leading to is what i wanted to ask you about that is being is being aware because I often hear doctors say, I'm having a doctor on actually in a few weeks hopefully, is um, you have doctors who always say, I hear them now say that getting a diagnosis is not necessarily important, which I disagree with to to some extent. And I just want to know from you being sort of aware or figuring out what you've got, did that help you in your process of dealing with it when you found out what you had? Um, It was one of those... um I don't know how you describe it. It was it was one of those really great moments where yeah, a lot of things that probably for years and years I'd mulled over, not not necessarily sort of thought of, thought about day in day out, not not in a negative way, but things from uh, from growing up, everything started to fall into place. Yeah, um, you know, I felt um, I felt a fraud to be diagnosed with with, with depression because I, like I said to you, I just didn't feel that I had that level of, of a condition yeah uh, and to find out 
ultimately that it was something that was just inherently part of me for all the way through growing up and it kind of explains the sort of you know the things that would have been attributed to just being a teenager at some point yeah everything sort of slots into its own little place and you you, you said you know it doesn't justify or it doesn't uh, it doesn't really sort of shape the way that you are but actually for me it it, it was really very very important that yeah, uh, no, totally. that, that, that that recognition uh, much as depression was a i felt was a label mm-hmm. uh, dysthymia was, was it was weird um Stephen, it was almost something you think actually i'm quite proud i've got that because i don't know anybody else that's got that and, uh, <laughs> um, it's mine i own it <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a good way of looking at it yeah GPs aren't going to know a great deal about it. It yep. hadn't really even been recognised or diagnosed until the 80s. Well, I can absolutely guarantee I had it before then because I'm older mm. than that. And yeah. and and it's because it's it, it's it's not diagnosed or recognised as such because it's that it, it's incredibly difficult to spot because yeah. the sufferer, if that's the right word, yeah. wouldn't know they had it. Yeah. And also, I mean, just I, I'm glad you said that because the really, really important point. I know, like this has a you know a, a, essentially a worldwide audience. I know Americans, for example, listen to this. So whenever we talk about NHS, I bet they're kind of going, "Why don't we have that?" But um, but the an American accent, though, wouldn't yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, obviously, yeah. I, I, I d- don't try me with accents. That's the one thing I can't do. Um, but anyway, so the the one the, the thing about teenagers, though, like you, a great point you make is that. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, this is what worries me about, you know, if you watch the American system, I have American friends over and I watch, I read loads of of examples of that, you might know this better than me, but they're diagnosing sort of younger and younger and younger of saying that they've got, you know, bipolar disorder at six years old or something crazy, and it's just, it's like, I, I get very worried about that in the sense of you know any i know and you know even a even a layman which you can i consider myself you know i might be slightly more well read in it than than some people but my point is you very much your brain is still developing as a teenager and so the problem is you know the the evidence is indicating that like for for males it's so you're in your like mid-20s by the time your brain's fully developed so even though even though you may have particular symptoms of being a teenager um it might that the idea of of pinning someone with a diagnosis that early could be potentially dangerous because, for example, with bipolar disorder, the argument could be I've always had it. The argument could be that I, it gener- it turned into something from something else because you can have severe depression and then it leads to bipolar disorder, especially if it's untreated for such a long period of time. So whatever the case may be, uh, that it's either one of the two things. But the point is, if, you know, like, I've been given a lot of antidepressants in my life and none of them have really helped me sufficiently. And it's because, like I said earlier, it's a byproduct of it. So it's just, it's really, it's really key that you brought that up because I get very, like, wanting to make people to be aware of. Although it is really, really difficult to diagnose someone as a teenager, it's also very dangerous to kind of go the opposite extreme end and saying, we must medicate everybody because if they're just, because, you know, this could just be, well, as you say, teenagers who are going for a difficult period of time, it doesn't mean we should stop medicating them to the nth degree. And also GPs, you said over here, um, general practitioner's job is to give you a solution to your problem. So very often, depression, because it's such a wide scoping, you know, because you get so many different versions of just of depression, never mind anything else, is that you can see a depression and give antidepressants and go, look, I've sol- I'm trying to solve your problem. That's their main 
you know, role in society and their job is to make sure that you, you don't leave feeling, you know, disillusioned or disappointed with the outcome. Um, the problem with then is that you don't get given enough time to figure out what you've got because it might just be, a, it's a short-term solution most of the time, so, um, which is really, really dangerous. But um, but that's interesting because I agree with you. It is important to know. That wasn't what I was trying to say about um, illnesses. It's really important to know. I just meant by defining as in, like, you know, I, I wanted to ask you this because being involved in it for that long and your job is working in the NHS, do you find yourself, because I blog a, a fair amount now about mental health, is that, do you find yourself getting a bit sick of talking about it? There's been times where I've I've written something um, and I, I've kind of thought, oh, are people going to read this and go, God, here he goes again, same old, same old. <laughs> That's what I feel like um, sometimes, and, yeah. Yeah, um, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I, you try and vary the, the things that you write about or, or mix them up. Uh, the same goes for, for the challenges, especially the year when I was yeah. fundraising. You, you kind of think, well, I might as well just copy and paste what I wrote last week because it's exactly, the, you know, I still want your money. Um, but, you know, th- th- this is, this is, you know, it's, it's different Brilliant. now. But I do, I have had that, those moments where I thought, am I turning people off? But, uh, and so you tend to sort of have, Longer breaks between your blogs, or you don't, you don't, you don't sort of go on every day and say exactly the same thing. I think there's a Facebook page. Well, I don't think I know there's a Facebook page for my challenges, and I don't post on there very often. You know, maybe once every week or a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. because you wouldn't want to inundate people with something that they didn't necessarily want to see. So yeah, yeah. it's 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 a it's a fine balancing act, and uh, you know, you soon find out if you've got it wrong because you suddenly realise that you had less likes one week than you did the week you know the week before, and. Uh, um, but it's yeah, I, I definitely agree that it's uh, it, it's something that you can you can over you you can potentially overdo. Yes, uh, write things at the right time and in moderation. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. That's that's, like, that's something I had to learn over time. Is that um like eating chocolate? Yes, exactly. Yeah, everything in moderation. Exactly. And you find yourself, and I do that on social media, is to make sure that you don't fall into the trap of because it's the way your brain sort of handles repetition is that it goes, oh, okay, so whenever you feel bad, you feel negatively you wanting to tweet it out or to post something. And it's just making sure to be aware of that and just sort of teach your brain to go, oh, every now and again, if I feel good and I feel like I want to let people know about that, then I'm going to do it that way. And like that's what's great about podcasting is that we go from you know, serious to laughing to, you know, it's, a, it's almost like a very bipolar episode and then it goes up and down in terms of what we talk about. But I love that because that's what conversation should be about. It shouldn't be that you sit there, you know, all the friends that I meet in dinners and stuff like that, the conversation is so wide ranging and that's the way it kind of should be. Um, and yeah, so I, I sometimes get slightly frustrated if people go like, you seem to spend all your time talking about bipolar disorder or mental health or the way people are treated. And I'm like, I am because it it, matter, it, it matters and I'm sure you're in the same position. It matters because, you know, people are being mistreated and, you know, and, and, and not getting the, the treatment they need or the medication, the right medication or the stigma and discrimination that they're getting is like, is right in front of you. And like, if you've experienced it, like to the level that I have, um, you want to do something about it. So it's not just about me. So I'll take the criticism of people saying that you know it comes across as that it's all about you because by writing your story. But I'm like, if then no one would write their story because it has it has to be all about you to a certain extent. Otherwise, you wouldn't be motivated to write in the first place. But the re- but my motivation to do it is I oft- I'm very upfront about it because 
I don't, I'm thinking about the person who's sitting in the bedroom right now who may be listening to this going, I'm like that and I haven't been treated and it might motivate them to go and get the help that they need or they might, yeah. um, you know, because I was that person that didn't know what the hell I had and went through absolute hell to figure out a, do- a diagnosis. And then I get told through Mentally Sound and through this and people I run into it's that it's the same for a lot of people is that they get misdiagnosis or they don't get the, they don't get the opportunity to explore it. Um, and uh, so that's why I do it. But then it's the other side of the coin to write about, you know, geeky things and stuff that I'm into and stuff that I enjoy doing, and which we'll get to on this podcast. I'll ask Richard about what stuff he likes. But it's just good. To, it's, it's yeah, I, I liked asking that question because, like, yeah, sometimes I get accused of, like, it's all you talk about and you very have a very depressed mind. And I'm like, actually not. If you spend any time with me, I'm actually fit. I like to think I'm fairly pleasant. But, um. Yeah, well, we'll get <laughs> on to the wrestling soon, won't we? Yes. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. I, I forgot. Yeah, we've talked about wrestling, yeah. That's Actually, cool. one thing that one thing that's quite interesting it's it's on that along the lines of you know it's that that phrase it's all about me in inverted commas. I, yeah. I, one of the things that I had a challenge to do was was to appear on television, and I haven't actually done it yet. So I'm going to have to go and find a reporter and just stand behind them. And, uh, <laughs> you should and, do the uh, Sky Sports News thing and be in the background, yeah. like for transfer deadline day or something. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I, went, I got in touch with uh, um, let's just say a, a, a reputable, well-known television station. Um, okay. Some guy that I, I, I vaguely knew from years ago, yeah. and said, "This is what I'm trying to do. This is the reason why I'm doing it." Um, I think I, I think it would make a really good feature on your television show. Um, and they <laughs> came back and they said, uh, "We've run it past our people, and we don't agree with you wanting to appear on television for the sake of appearing on television because you've given yourself a challenge to do it." When that wasn't the reason at all. The reason is purely and simply for, to raise awareness of mental health. That, the bottom line was it was nothing about me. It was all about the subject. Um, yeah. Five minutes later, I got a call inviting me over to um, Middlesbrough's um, uh, football club's training ground to meet a couple of the players, which was another thing on the list. All right, yeah. Uh, and I went back to the beat. Oh, God, I didn't give away, oh, I did give away what, what channel it was. That was oh, who cares? Time. That's all right, don't it, worry. It, it begins with B and ends with B and C. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, what, what they said oh, that TV was, uh, channels are available. <laughs> they, they actually said, oh, you're going to meet the Middlesbrough footballers. That would make an interesting story. Can we be involved? And uh, my, my reply was, uh, slightly no. But, yeah. Uh, you know, really kind of me to ask, but it still isn't the point. You know, yeah. I'm not doing this to be, be with somebody famous. I'm not doing it per se to be on television. I've challenged myself to do it at some point. But the whole point is, it's it's trying to get across a message, trying to get to say, look, you know, ask for help. If you feel like you want to talk, talk. And and they, they just got it so totally wrong. And it, it, I found it really frustrating that because they just assumed, oh, well, it's all about him. He wants to be on television. I can see from the reflection in this, this Skype thing, it's put pounds on me, Stephen. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if, I was, if I was on television, it's, it's, it wouldn't be a good look. But, you know, it, it's... For me, the bottom line is it's about the subject, and sometimes you have to use your life experiences to get a message across. It's yeah, because I find that I find that response. The reason I laughed is that like, and also I forgot to tell you before we started, you can you are allowed to swear if you so inclined to do so. This is over eighteen, but um, that just seemed bullshit to me. In the in the the thing that I find that that was kind of that's a really good example of the point I was trying to make, and the in order for you to like be like let people be aware of it and you have to do something to make people be aware which means you have to decide 
to be the person to do that. And so regardless of your how you go about doing that, it has to be it you have to it has to be about you to a certain extent to make it interesting enough for people to go, Oh, that requires more awareness. So that by the yeah. fact that you're agree you're you're making yourself do that, um it is it ha- again, like I said, it has to have an element of being you know, having uh, being motivated enough to do it, which is like a, a selfish pursuit of something, is that you want it to be better than it is. And so, if you don't have that belief or mindset to do it, then you're not going to do it in the first place. Is my point. So, for people to attack someone for that, um, because like you see, you weren't going on TV just to go like to wave and be a, a, an arse about it or something. Is that you were doing it because you were trying to do the challenges before we um before we get onto that? Just because I remembered we hadn't provided the context because obviously I know because you touched on this on Mentally Sound but for the people listening to this um, so explain in detail like if you don't mind the challenges and like when did it first start uh, started January 2014 okay. um, first challenge was to um, get a, a tweet from a Spice Girl uh, <laughs> you know you set the bar at a certain height and uh, <laughs> Um, Melanie C tweeted back within minutes and I thought the whole thing was going to be an absolute breeze after that um, but uh, that was nice uh, so, some of the things let's have a look I've, I've, I've sparred with a professional boxer uh, that was the one that I, I I remember we spent a bit of time I was like that's really cool and you said um, wasn't he like 7th in the heavy heavy 7th well, uh, ranking was, or something he was unbeaten he's a, uh, I, think, I think he's a super lightweight um, yeah. Josh Leather from Gisborough um, okay. I'm, 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 I'm mentioning the name because when he becomes a British champion I'm, I fully intend to die out on my experience do uh, <laughs> after um, speaking I once sparred with him <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's 11 from 11 now okay um, uh, and come the glorious day, I'll, I'll I'll remind him that he didn't put me on the floor. <laughs> only only it's a small ring. It's, it's it's really hard to run into a different corner every couple of seconds. But, uh, um, that you know that so you know you put that into the context of I'm not a you know I'm not a boxer. I'm not an athlete. I yeah. was more than double Josh's age. Um, and can I do it? So mm-hmm. you know you 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 kind of test yourself to find out. You know what 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 levels you can go to, what you can achieve, um, and there there is you know there are little areas where this this links in with 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 the underlying theme and the underlying subject and yeah you know so I've I've walked out the ring and and he's you know he's he's hit me a fair few times he could have hit me a lot more he could have I didn't even see the punches that hit me to be honest they, yeah. were, they were that fast so yeah. you know you you've, you've you've had a, an experience in inverted commas that that was memorable. Um, You've shown that you can achieve something that you didn't think was achievable, and why did you do it? Because one, you were prepared to ask somebody if they'd help you do it. Yeah. And and two, you 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 found the strength in inverted commas to put yourself through it. Yeah. Um. So you know, tie that in. Uh, you know, I've, I know you've done stand up comedy before, and you know it was on it was on my list of things to do. And All right. Yeah. As as your listeners are, are discovering, you know, I'm I'm no comedian. And <laughs> It was the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever done. You Sorry, know, some people don't think I am. Okay. Up, at, up at the stand in Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. Know it. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, I had my wife with me um, and and a couple of friends, and I could barely speak before I went on stage. I was that nervous. It's it's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the easiest thing is, well, don't put yourself through it. Yeah. But actually, you know, it's a way of challenging a fear of failure that I've certainly had for a long time. You know, you put yourself in a situation where you're, you're more likely to fail than succeed. Exactly. But... You've got the experience of, uh, of, of a number of 
you know, you, you're a, a, a sort of experience that comes with, with age and you you kind of recognise that sometimes it doesn't actually matter if you fail. And, exactly, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I got up on stage and it went it went far better than I could ever have, ima- have imagined, you know. And no were people, just just because I'm intrigued, were people aware what you were doing before you went up to do it? Were the audience uh, aware that... Yeah, um, the first time... It was done as a, you know, it was done as a charity thing. It's the Red Raw night where the, you know, there yeah. are some experienced people, on, but one or two novices. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually went back to do my second. Um, I was going to say gig, but that makes me sound really pretentious and genuinely <laughs> funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, I went back and did this sort of second show because it's like a two-show thing. They, they let you go on twice. All right. Okay. Um, and I didn't give anything away until the end, um, at which point um, my. Uh, my wife Elaine had left me under no you know, no illusions that that was to be my retirement night, and so uh, I, I signed off by basically giving away. Yes, I'm not you know I'm not a stand up comedian. This is the reason why I've got up here and tried to make you laugh for for five minutes. Um, and the, the reaction was was incredible. I had two or three people come up and say, you know, what are you stopping for? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I'd rather they'd come up and just handed money over, but they didn't. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't <laughs> that's what's always so funny about. I'm sorry, that just makes me giggle because that's what always I used to find that like, when I want people to like make money, you know, when they when they try and uh, you know generate money for doing for good causes, is everyone goes that was really good. I wouldn't do that, but yeah, there's never there's never any like oh he has the money, well done, congratulations for doing that. It's almost like they went oh you should be a stand up comedy and you're like that's not the point. That's not why I tried to do it. <laughs> I was doing it for another reason. I have no aspirations to be a stand up comedian, but yeah, I, that's I, funny. I am officially retired. It's the weirdest thing because um, the, the the stage is literally you, you could pick the drink up off the first table yeah to the people yeah yeah, yeah but when the lights go down you can only see the first two rows exactly yeah um, and Which there, is, there was over a hundred people in and when the lights come up and there's only fifteen left because they've all tiptoed out as soon yeah. as you went to the stage. <laughs> but, uh, so, so it helps it helps when you not see in the first two rows if you're performing it, it yeah. does help yeah. um, so what else have I done uh, I've had a tattoo done um, I've um, was it a permanent one? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not going to show you it. No, no I don't want you to show it. I just was intrigued. It's like because you um, could kind of cheat and make like a henna tattoo or something. But, no, no, it, uh, it went down really well. Except with my mum, she was she wasn't very happy. Um, <laughs> things like bowling at a test cricketer um, appearing on radio was one. So lo and behold, there we go. And, yeah, that was know, cool. Um, so some of them were, were, were meeting people where the effort was all in the contacting somebody that you didn't know and asking to arrange something and, and maybe driving up and down the country to do that um, yeah I played a game of badminton against a, a guy called Reese Walker who's an England international mm-hmm. and I'd, I, I had to go to Milton Keynes where the England uh, badminton centre is alright cool Middle to Milton Keynes and back for an hour's badminton it's a, it's a long day <laughs> yeah wow yeah but commitment you don't get these experiences very often yeah and you know they went out of their way to invite me down and uh, and, and sort of Make it a, a, a memorable day, and so the least I can do is get in my car, point it in the right direction, and uh, you know, and it's a, it's a it's a bit scary because I haven't played for a long time. You walk out on court, and and Reece said, "You see all those people sat there watching." I went, "Oh yeah." He says, "That's the entire England squad," and all of a sudden you're swishing at thin air, wishing you were somewhere else. But uh, no, it's 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 all been you know things like that. Going back and visiting your first home. Um, Trying, you know, just, just. It's not like a bucket list. It's a list of. I was about to ask that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, in, in, that in some way or another have a level of interest and a, le- a level of variation. That some of them are a bit easier than the others. Some yeah. of them are, re- are really physically and mentally testing. Um, 
So it, it's any number of different things. It sounds good. What I liked about what I like about some of the ones you've just mentioned is what did we get onto wrestling? Because did you do a rest? Did you try and learn to be a wrestler? Was that one of them? Um, I, I could really, I could go on and give you the biggest lie possible and just say that I, yeah, I, I met Randy Orton, give him an RKO, in the street <laughs> and, and no, it, it was just I think it would just come up as a random topic. Oh, was it? Okay, I was in, yeah. in a pre-show because. Uh, oh, right, yeah. Um, I think know, I was ranting about it. Yeah, maybe I thought. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd watched it back in back in the day, back yeah, in the eighties yeah. and stuff, and I don't really watch it now. But uh, it, it was a common interest and uh, and a good thing to chat about. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we'll get to that because yeah, I think um, as you know, my um, sting. My uh, scorpion tattoo is from Sting, the uh, WCW wrestler from the nineties. So when he came back to WWE, so I got a little bit interested. I got a li- well, he start he fam- famously never went to WWE for years and then came back. So I was like intrigued about what they were going to do with him, and then they used him poorly. So I probably was ranting about that at the time, something along those lines. But anyway, um, but yeah. So but one of the things I like about your list. Um, is the as you said, it's almost like I was thinking there. Just I guess this shows how geeky I am. I was thinking almost like the crystal maze, and then you had like a physical challenge, you had a yes. you had a mental challenge and stuff. Because you know a boxing match is quite physically exhausting, and then you've got the mental challenge of you know maybe because the, the well all of it's mental. You can argue because like you say, um, because a lot of the stuff you said resonated with with, with me in terms of you know I think that's the one thing. And you deserve credit for this because, like, not everyone has this. Is that that's the one thing about doing something that's scary? And you know, the stand-up comedy you described is a great example. My reasoning for doing stand-up comedy, and I don't do it now for the very same reason. I just wanted to see if I could do it. Yeah. I just wanted to see if I had the. I, I, I knew that I could make people. I, I know that I made people laugh in my life, and and I like being funny, and I like funny things, and I, I watch loads of stand up comedy online and uh, and everything else, and always been fascinated by it. And I just wanted to see if I can do it, and if I enjoyed it, and get to see what it's like. And the way you described it is perfect because nothing can describe the first gig you ever do. It's uh. it's it's insane. It's like your body goes through like a, a, a total. Because you know, I've even done like I've done improv comedy and I've done um, you know I've I've performed in like bands and guitar and stuff like that. It's nothing compared to just going up and the sole purpose of doing it is to make someone laugh. Like it's just yeah. it's just so I admire anyone who can do it and wants to do it more to the point because one of the reasons I stopped doing it is I'm like I like being funny but I like serious conversation and I don't like that inhibit and think factor of that we have to be funny all the time. But but so um that that really like drove drove me crazy because I'm not really that in you know I'm not that bothered about being funny, um like a lot of people are and the people I met in the comedy circuit but. Um, but I admire anyone to be able to do that because getting to the mindset of going at this particular time, my job is to be purely 100% focused on to be funny. Um, it is is mind blowing. But the, so I say we have some similarities because you know I you know starting this podcast, emailing you know famous people or semi famous people or upcoming people or interesting people like yourself and you know and, um, and people who do jobs that I find interesting. Like I say, I've got a, 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 a scientist and researcher coming up soon, hopefully. Um, who's going to be on the podcast because I just find that aspect fascinating. So it's all about just being sort of interested in things. But the downside is, like you said, I think the fear of failure is what you said is really important because, you know, um, it's when you have, you know, not very many listeners for this or something or you, you do a challenge and you're not making a huge amount of 
like people aren't donating that amount of money it's easy to just go okay i tried and give up and stuff but it's the perseverance um factor of going i'm not going to let this failure and i'm aware that it's not going to be great to begin with and just power through that and so um perseverance gives you credibility ultimately yeah you write to somebody after you've had a tweet from a spice girl and say look i'm doing this fantastic yeah yeah, maybe come back to me in a year where you actually achieve something. Yeah, that's uh, what you uh, said. Yeah, that's the reason I just said that is because what you said was really good. Because that's a good that shows you had a good attitude. Because you said quite rightly, other people could have went, "Oh, I've just got a tweet from a Spice Girl. Is it really this easy?" Okay, that's not that challenging. But then you went, "Okay, I'm going to do stuff that actually is difficult." Because yeah. you know, um, I mean, that could have been difficult because then um, she might not have saw the tweet or whatever it is. And then uh, my joke was going to be when you said that. I'm assuming you didn't. Uh, you just discounted Posh Spice because I don't. I don't even know if she even is on Twitter. Um, um, yeah. To, to, to be fair, I think I, I think I, when I did it, um, it went to. Mel B, Mel C, mm-hmm. uh, then I got over overexcited and went Mel D, Mel E, Mel M. <laughs> and, you know, it was just to uh, just to, to say them. Yeah, Posh Spice definitely wasn't one of them. And uh, you know, I, I've come off Twitter now. You know, you retire again when you're at the top. So uh, <laughs> but, uh, just actually interesting with what you're saying about the Crystal Maze because mm-hmm. uh, the next thing that, that I'm doing is a 34 kilometer indoor row. Yeah, it's 34 k is is basically uh, Dover to Calais. Mm-hmm. Um, That's cool. so I'm, ha- I'm having to train incredibly hard for that. Um, obviously, you can see the picture of me, and you, you know for a fact that I've probably just lied. But uh, it's uh, it, it's really really intense. But about um, two or three months ago, I had to sit down and uh, and write down and, ac- and correctly spell the name of names of I think it was 195 capital cities in 15 minutes. Oh Jesus! So so you, you're kind of swapping from right. Okay, this one's all about my brain and learning and remembering. Yeah. And then, actually, it's like an exam. Once you've done it, you can forget it mm-hmm. and move on. And so, you know, I'll, I'm doing this rowing and uh, training pretty much every night, and I'm really grateful for you giving me a night off tonight, actually. I needed it. And, <laughs> cool, uh, great. But, you know, I'm doing it on the 23rd of December. Come Christmas Eve, I'll not want to look at another row machine again. And actually, <laughs> I'll have to. I don't, you know, it, it's that thing you, you kind of, everything goes into its little box. Once it's done, it's done, and you, you, you can kind of move on. Um, but for the time that you're training or... or learning or whatever it's uh, it, it you know it takes up an awful lot of your, your spare time yeah no oh, absolutely so one of the things you never said um because you mentioned it started in january 2014 that was what yeah, you said yeah. wasn't it um how many challenges did you decide to do or was it just something you kept going with i did 40 in the year which was um oh, that's a lot people said you know it's your 50th birthday you should have done 50 well i actually you know, something mm. fifty interesting things to do, and, and also that's I, oh, that's so that's so much a backhanded thing to you as well. It's like, oh, you're doing forty really difficult because I thought that's a lot for one year. I mean, I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I, I mean, at the, at the rate I'm going now, um, I'm probably going to be have done about like uh, something like fifty shows in in and in, in 2016. Not even counting mentally sound and guest spots and stuff. So. Uh, like of this show, I've done about fifty of them, and like you imagine, yeah. it's like almost someone going. But them two weeks you had off, uh, Stephen, when you didn't do the podcast, um, that's not like that's 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 unacceptable that you took two yeah. weeks of time off. Like that's so silly because you should have went. Like anyway, I'm just the negative attitude people have is insane. It's just, um, um, so I had a few months off after that because I wasn't intending carrying on, um, and then basically, yeah, they got bitten by the bug again, um, and so I started again. Um, probably May 2015. So, uh, yes. so I'm going ever since. So 74 different things completed. Very good. 
and the list runs to number 95. So I've got a two or three that will get done this year and then uh, brand new year, start again, see what we can come up with. Are you trying to get to 100? Is that the goal? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think stopping at 100 will be good. Uh, I think it probably would be. I think because the 100th one's got to be something really flash though, hasn't it? Because I've never done any of these adrenaline things like jumping out of a plane. Or, yeah. You know, on the basis that I could just tell us that everybody jumps out of a plane. You know, not everybody's had a tweet off a Spice Girl. So, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because another thing you say about driving and stuff like that, I know, like, it, it obviously it must be money and money and you know um, money difficulties in terms of what you decide to do but maybe a hundred should be something like do something in another country uh, i don't know like that would be good wouldn't it yeah um, oh i had we we went to, drinking guinness in dublin was on the list oh that's a good idea and it tastes horrible <laughs> uh, i hate guinness well, yeah so I, w- I, would, I would i would have to bite the bullet if i did that yeah all, all that way i should have i should have just put have a bag of crisps in dublin because i know i'd like them but we were uh, were you inspired by obama <laughs> Uh, I was no, I was, I was actually inspired by the fact that uh, the, the deal was relatively cheap to get over there. To be honest, so. I like uh, yeah. See, there is honesty on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, well, it's all to do with uh, it's all to do with the cheapness of it. Um, but I'm just laughing because that always amuses me that all presidential. Like candidates or presidents end up from America, I guess, because obviously of the, the the Irish history in in America. You always find them going there for like a, 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 a like a, a peace treaty or a, a thing just to, for good publicity, like a PR thing. You always go to Dublin to or like go to Ireland and you see them being photographed with some Guinness. I just yeah. seem to remember Obama making a big deal out of that because he's I didn't really I think he's got ancestries or family members that actually still live there or something, but um. Just interesting, but <laughs> it's just yeah, I thought like, you got inspired yeah, by that. I couldn't smile for the photograph; it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am actually going to a pub later, and I would like the last thing, probably the last thing I would order in the entire place would be Guinness. I hate it, so yeah. Um, no disrespect to the people who make Guinness, obviously. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> I like their, uh, I like that, la- I like their, um, that symbol of the harp symbol. That's like really cool. But um, anyway, um, yeah, we've still got on the on, on the glass that, uh, that that we sort of smuggled out in the uh, in, in the. <laughs> Oh, right, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I was talking about that. I was talking about that not that long ago about like you kind of do that as mementos, even though you know you shouldn't. But you know, <laughs> dare you say it's stealing stealing a memento of, is you know, uh, yeah, you know, it, I, I'm okay with that. Slight, it was a slight exaggeration. Yeah, there you go. But um, but cool. So um, so what is um, what is next on the agenda for these challenges? What's your next one you're doing? Yeah, the rowing is the next. The rowing, yeah, okay. So um, when's that happening? Okay. 23rd of December, so basically... Ooh, uh, two days before Christmas, wow. Yeah, I've, I've got um, the um, guy at Tees Rowing Club who's been fantastic and given me loads of support with training programmes, nutrition... I was going to uh, say, yeah, <laughs> I'm assuming uh, you're going to train and everything, so I'm going to be one of the oh, things yeah, I've, gonna... been, I've been training for, for, for a while. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did, uh, you know, I did a couple of hours on Saturday, a couple of hours yesterday, um, so it's... It's difficult after a day at work, but the weekends are fine. But yeah, you've just you've got to put in the miles and uh, and hope that on the day um, you can get through it. <laughs> Is it going to be so? With all these challenges, do you try? Because I guess then that would kind of showcase that maybe you're doing it. But I mean, it is increasing awareness, so you want people there. So do you try and like get a crowd to come to these things? Well, what I've done for this one, BBC Radio are coming along oh, that's um, nice. to to um, report before I start, and then do a live feed from the paramedics um, afterwards. <laughs> um, got, uh, uh, our local MP Anna Turley's coming along, and uh, a guy called Glenn Durant, who uh, 
you, you probably don't know, but he's um, he's world number one in the BDO for darts, and he, he won the world master. Oh, right. So, uh, uh, smashing bloke lives just a couple. I of don't miles necessarily away. watch the. I watch the BDO. I'll, I like watch the BDO World Championships on BBC. Yeah. Um, so I know some of them, but no, I haven't watched it in a while. So that's interesting. Um, so uh, yeah, Glenn's going to pop down, and uh, so again, that gives the uh, you know that gives the sort of event just a little bit of credibility that yeah. I can't give it on its own, and uh, and that get, it means that basically the message will get out, and uh, ultimately it's the message that it's all about. Yeah, and also it leads to you to slowly uh, crap yourself, knowing that you've got to do yeah, well now. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, it's very, very hard to do that on a rowing machine. <laughs> yeah, you might keel over. Yeah, I, yeah, keeling over is fine, but the other, the other stuff is is a lot harder because you, you you're pretty well wedged into that seat for three and a half hours. So, so how long how long is the rowing going to be? Like how long is the distance? Yeah, it's it's thirty four k, so twenty one miles. Um, Jesus, and I reckon uh, in training I can do a kilometer in six minutes steadily. Okay. Uh, uh, and that's leaving the machine on a relatively low tension so that you don't burn yourself out. And yeah, uh, yeah it's about three and a half hours if everything goes well. Yeah, because I'm, I'm assuming that uh, that was what I was, you know, my curiosity is. I'm assuming, because it's not like trying to break records or anything, as you're just no, no. doing it at a steady enough pace to go, I did it for this long. And so I imagine that could, that, could the dude, you, could the guy you're going with probably do it at a much faster pace? Is he well, a long, yeah, he long the, distance? Yeah, the guy has, um, has won. Um, Sort of medals at world and international indoor rowing. All right. Okay. Great. So he he competes uh, on a world level in his age group. Um, okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's a. Oh, it's a. It's, it's like doing the boxing thing. You, yeah. you realize that there are whole different levels to what. Oh, you know, of course. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, you know, I'm just touching the surface of what these uh, you know these genuinely fit people can do, and uh, uh, but I'm just grateful for the, the support because it's uh, you know <laughs> at the end of the day it's a fairly serious test for an old fella. Of course, yeah, yeah, no, totally, and I, I'm that's one of the challenges where like I've always sort of been fascinated by boxing just to see how fast it is and stuff because I have a genuine interest in it. But that's an example of a challenge where I'm like I really didn't think I don't think I could do that, and I admire you for doing it. Like I I don't think I could do run like um, not exactly. Hugely fond of water, anyway. Um, I know you. Dr- uh, I think I've told the story on the podcast before, but I once drowned. I know you drowned when I was like eight or nine years old. So, like, I'm not exactly hugely fond of big water. So, <laughs> uh, I'm hoping so. that's one of the benefits of it being an indoor rower team. To be yes, honest, that right. would be nice. Yeah, exactly. I, think, yeah, I certainly will get my name in the papers if that happens. Yeah. Well, that's what I was. I was thinking how horrible would it be? Is like you know that that's what happened when you said about the paramedic joke. Like yeah. Richard Ker- Richard Kirby dies in attempt to, uh, and I hope that's not the case. Obviously, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, ex- indeed. Um, so, in terms of like you know, because you said you're generating money to do this, because I'm, I'm aware of the time. I'd, I want to, I don't want to make sure I like no, just cut no off. Money involved at all? Um, oh, they're not. You don't. You're not doing no, it this time. Okay. Fundraising stopped at the end of 2014. It's purely awareness. There's, there's no. Oh, great. Okay. No, no fundraising whatsoever. Okay, um, well, I was going to ask you that because is it is it still are, are people able to you know find on the interwebs where you can find what you're doing and stuff? Are you? Yeah, I mean, I've got my own website is uh, is richardkirby.org, um, and they're more than welcome to have a look. But there's there's as I say, there's there's no money involved whatsoever. It's purely a case of just trying to get a message out there. Hopefully, people will see it. If people want to comment and or whatever, or even send suggestions through as something that I might, uh, uh, you know, I might do because there's, there's there's five blank challenges on the list. So, uh, cool. um, you know, so so really, it's it, it's just now 
Um, now I'm in the swing of things. It's a case of me doing the work to try and get these things to, to, to fruition. And every time I do use use the use my blog or whatever just to, to tie it all back in with the uh, underlying theme of the project. Well, it's just, it's it's good. I mean, and, and you can look at it this way, as in, you know, the people who listen to this, which is a decent number of people, is that I, is that, uh, that the fact that you gave me an opportunity to talk about this as an episode is, is, a, is a, by, by you know, consequence, is actually raising the awareness by the fact that me and you are talking about it. So Absolutely. it's really useful. But obviously I will give a, I will make sure I put a link to your website and stuff so people can have a look for themselves and okay. and whatnot. But um, I thought with, with having about 10 minutes or so left um, is I just wanted to, because I always like doing this towards the end, is to just kind of, we'll, we'll talk about some, you know, sort of fun, you know, hobbyish stuff. Because we mentioned wrestling and stuff. Like, and I know like, because that's one of the things with mentally sound Obviously, people, if they're interested, can go on iTunes and find some episodes, and the ones Richard's one, um, is we never get the opportunity on that, a huge amount, to talk about, like, hobbies and stuff that we're into. So what stuff do you, like, kind of do in your spare time? What what, what do you find fun? Um, it's, I don't actually have a massive amount of spare time at the moment, but yeah. um, I, I have to... I, I've done a fair bit of writing, um, which okay. I'll, I'll get back into next year. Mm-hmm. Um Around the subject of, uh, of probably a mutual favourite, so some classic Doctor Who. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I've got a, a, some you know some ideas, and I, I had I was very very fortunate enough to have a book published a few years ago about uh, about the, the uh, female companions from the classic era. All right, uh, yeah. I framed a history of the of, of the show around trying to get a, a, an autograph signed photo from all the living com, um, companions. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Quite quite a nice idea. It worked really well. Um, mm-hmm. So I've kind of taken that idea on, and I'm going to do something around um, Tom Baker's shows series from the 70s. So that's nice. uh, that that'll be good fun next year. But uh, so hobbies wise, yeah, th- this is this is kind of been my hobby. I do, uh, you know, I, I, I've loved playing sport. I love watching sport. Um, I fully intend, you know, to become a couch potato and just watch sport for the rest of my life in a few years' time. But uh, yeah, yeah. Just try and do you know a few more things while the body still lets me. So, yeah, other hobbies. I've done a lot of family history research down the years and bits and pieces. It's just a case of they all take time, Stephen. You 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 kind of uh, you know I'll know when the time comes just to sit down and start you know researching again or writing again. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, I mean, that's one of the the sort of beauty of doing. The, one of the beauties of hobbies is you can leave the hobbies for a while and Absolutely. come back to them. I mean, uh, one of the things I was telling uh, my girlfriend this is that, and um, one of the things that I've just sort of suddenly got really into again because I used to play all the time is poker, and I'm thinking of really just starting again because I only play for a really small amount of money, but I was good enough that I would win tournaments and like you win twenty wow. times what I put in and stuff, and I just. Um, find myself running. Find myself. It, it's it is time consuming because tournaments can last up to two hours and stuff like that. So, um, but um, I'm really wanting to try again. And but my point is, I haven't played for maybe three or four months. So it's just like, but I want to play again. So sometimes you take a break. Sometimes you come back to them. Yeah, um, go for it. Yeah, but anyway, so um, so when we said wrestling, did you when we were talking about wrestling at that one time? Because I'm curious because you just brought it up earlier. Um, were you just were you referring? You said you were a fan of the old wrestling because obviously I've I've watched it for a long time. So what did you like? Um, what were you into? Oh, I was trying to think of the favourite wrestlers. Well, I think were you whole... Legion of Doom going back? Ah, right? yeah, yeah, I know. Right, uh, right. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, we're looking at uh, at the eighties when yeah. you know, the programs. Well, I mean, obviously that the, the scripting wasn't anything, and, and you know, 
the athleticism probably wasn't kind yeah. of what it is now. Yeah, but, no, uh, definitely not. But but it was uh, it, it was eminently watchable. And, yes, uh, you know. Um, so you know, you'd come on and you'd give the Ultimate Warrior a big cheer, and uh, you know, you when you know if Rick Rubes sort of dropped him on his head, you'd you know, the, the, oh, I can't believe he's done that, and it's. <laughs> You know, you kind of just get drawn into the the, the storyline of it all, and it was difficult because the, the shows at the time were they tended to pitch like a superstar, as they probably would call them now, yeah, against yeah. a jobber. A jobber and yeah, exactly. Yeah, squash you know, match, yeah. beat up, knock them out, and then uh, and then go to some sort of uh, sort of segment about you know building themselves up for the next fight and yeah, uh, yeah. shouting down the camera lens. But uh, don't do that yeah. anymore. Yeah, uh, I just it was just something that at the, at the time, yeah, you know. Was relatively was probably to, you know obviously we I watched all the British stuff um, back in the in the seventies which you know was uh, I watch it now and it, yes of course it's dated but it's still watchable yeah yeah I well um, as someone who as someone who's watched the new stuff and the old stuff because like, um, I've even watched some old uh, my my dad and my mum I because they knew that I watched it with my well, my brother and sister, who are both older than me, we would watch them. We would watch like the WWF in the early nineties and stuff. And my um, my mom mentioned to me not too long ago when I just went, "Oh, I've been watching wrestling because Sting went to WWE, and I really want to see that because I loved him in the nineties." And then um, your mom went, "Well, did you know that one of the first dates me and your dad had because my parents are divorced?" But she's like, "Oh, you and your dad, um, we went to see um, the British wrestling in the sixties, uh, early 70s. Um, in at uh, St James's Park, like the actual, really? um, there was an actual not not the actual stadium, right. but there was like a, apparently like a venue that's no longer there. My mum said it got bulldozed what, at some at some point, but there was like a venue place next to the park, actual park, St James's Park, um, and they used to go and watch like. And so when I named some people because I've seen some tapes of them, which you'll probably know these, but like you know Giant Haystacks and Big Daddy and yeah. um, whatever that um, Japanese there was a Japanese guy. Oh, uh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, because I think that's we've talked about this before, but yeah. So my mum was like kind of liked that whole um, entertainment aspect of it where it was kind of like you look at it compared to now but the downside is the wrestling side of it now is really great but the story they tell is really rubbish so like they can do the greatest wrestling match in the one but then you're just like it's watching gymnastics do loads of cool tricks um, you want you, you, they've forgotten that it's about one guy you don't like and one guy you should like um um which is why one of the reasons I don't like it anymore because it's just like a, it's all about the you know, we'll get into a spot and we'll do a flippy move and land on top of them, and it's like you can tell that they're, they're working together. Where in that one, it was just like, oh, I'm getting beat up and I look like I'm hurt, and like so that yeah. the, the entertainment value of it's kind of went down because of it. It's not as real as it should feel. Um, but yeah, so you're talking eighties, yeah. Eighties would be when you ended up out of the ring, Stephen, and the, and the women in the front row are battering you with a handbag. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I'm a huge fan of. Uh, Jim Cornette, I'll get. I mean, he doesn't need a plug off me, but Jim Cornette, who um, you might you know this that name. Um, he was the manager oh, yeah. of the of the Rock and Roll Ex- uh, the Rock and Roll Express, wasn't it? Um, or Midnight? What was it? Midnight Express? I can't remember. I was getting them mixed up. Um, but he was the manager, and he managed Yokozuna and, whole, and Vader for a bit in the nineties. And anyway, he's a, he he has his own podcast, and I always give a shout out to him because he's like really funny with it and. Um, he uh, he he um, tells stories on his podcast now, um, where he basically talks about he wants got, he got saved by a wrestler. I wish I'd remember the wrestler's name, but he was basically going with his the tag team that he managed, and they were basically like 
you know, beaten up like this hometown hero. They were in that guy's hometown, and he was, and his like pet and his family and stuff were inside the front row, something like this. I maybe, you know, not getting the details exactly right, but so they go to his family as he's being beat, as the guy's being beat up in the ring. Like Jim Cornette goes down to like the where the railings are, and he. He um, like starts, you know, effing and blinding at his family, going, "Oh, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it?" And apparently, because the family were in on it, they knew that it was just to, they, they got told it was like they were planted there, yeah. and they knew it was they knew they knew he was going to do that, and they were in on the they were in on the 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 the, 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 the whatever he called the, the the story, whatever, and so they were in on the act. That's probably the best way of reading it. Um, there was a person one seat next to like one of his family members who got so irate he pulls out a gun. And he's like, and he's like, and he pulls out a gun and he goes like, you leave them alone. And like, I've got your back. Like, I think his name was Bruiser Brody. If I remember, I think it's Bruiser Brody. And he goes, I've got Bruiser Brody's back and his family. You don't disrespect him and his family, you know, and you shut up. And so the family, like, breaking character have to go, oh no, it's not like, you know, don't, don't kill him. He's not worth it. And he like, he got literally saved his life because his family were like, no, don't kill him. He's not worth it. And had to like, pretend going oh it's okay we don't hate him that much and like ruining the whole bit because yeah, they were like yeah. generally worried he's gonna get shot <laughs> it's like it's a, i mean and it's funny because you hear all these wrestling characters from that era going they miss that that doesn't happen anymore but like that's kind of to the extreme like yeah just a little bit yeah yeah because you remember the whole Sar- sergeant slaughter thing as well with he was playing like him and the Iron Sheik had an, they became like an Iranian tag team and it was when the Iranian hostage crisis was taking place so like all the America it happened before and Sergeant Slaughter um, tells a story on a, an episode called uh, Wrestling Legends or something which is on the WWE network where he basically says that he used to actually get hired ex-Navy SEAL security to his house that Vince McMahon paid for because people were going around his house like slitting his tires and threatening to kill everyone in his family and all this kind of thing because it was such a hot topic at the time Um, and he had to get like you know escorted everywhere he went and he wasn't allowed to go to his supermarket anymore or anything like that it was insane yeah that's not really pleasant that's taking it a little bit (laughs) yeah yeah but somewhere in the middle I think we can have a happy medium where like you know you're allowed to scream at people you don't like but now uh, the last live show I went to it was all family friendly and like people didn't really shout anything it was just like the cheer if something fun happened and it's lost a bit of its charm I think I'm but sure you're right. but anyway but um but yeah cool so what so what sports are you into finally like I mean are you into football are you being Newcastle um, fan or no, where are you from again I can't remember um I live in Middlesbrough alright oh, are you a Middlesbrough fan I take so, it so um well they, they, they kick off in about 45 minutes alright oh, so is that the reason you got I'm not, uh, <laughs> my football club is Gateshead um, alright yeah cool and um, I think you told me that cricket's, yeah. cricket's my first love so okay uh, Played for a long time until the the, the joints packed in, but uh, yeah, cr- cricket. County level or international? Pardon? County or international level? Or, you, or do you like I'd, both? I'd watch any. I'd, I'd watch anything. I'd watch so who do you like? Do you, what are you? Oh well, I can ask you because it was in the news recently. What do you think about the whole? Because I remember, I obviously you know follow some sports, and I watched, saw this on uh, Sky. Was um, the Durham thing? Or you got? Or, what was your reaction to that? Like Durham went into administration, didn't they? Yeah. They, they, I mean, they got really, really heavily punished. Yes, because um, it's it's not just that you know it's dropping down the division. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, uh, but then to get such, uh, I think they got fined and points deductions from from a couple of competitions. Yeah. Um. So basically, you know, they've, they've been they've been hammered. Um, yeah. 
whether whether you hammer somebody to make an example, but I gather there are other, you know, um, there may be other clubs that are also struggling financially, and you know, you set a precedent, don't you? So, yeah, uh, yeah. And to lose the test status as well, which was one of the one way that you could potentially generate some income to get yourself out of the situation. Um, yeah, it, it's tough because what they've actually achieved on the field is incredible. In uh, in what ninety two they started, so we, you know, in in quarter of a century. Um, yeah, yeah. They've achieved so much. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I am when I used to like get any cricket. I used, I, was, I sort of like. There's some video like I remember. I used to buy like Brian Laura cricket back in the day and uh, for video games, and I used to enjoy playing it because he's good being the bowler and the batsman and stuff like that. And so I I used to be Durham if I ever could be any English people because it was the closest thing to Newcastle. Um, yeah, so I knew like yeah. Steve Harmison and a bunch of other people used to play for England and stuff like that. So I was a little like kind of shocked when I heard that, but it's nice to hear like Ian Botham's going to be their chairman and stuff like that. So that's hopefully will yeah, help still, them. Yeah. Still but, a larger um, than life character, indeed. But anyway, so that's a bit of a shame. So that's like local news for us that makes sort of sense, but it's a bit of a shame. But there you go. But um, anyway, cool. Well, um. So I obviously I'm I'm going to the pub later, so I'll probably be watching Middlesbrough. So are you a fan of it? Are you a Middlesbrough fan? Uh, I'll, uh, you look out for the results. You want them to do well because you're local team. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not football. Uh, not really football guy. You, you want all the North East teams to do well. I I, I don't have loyalties or preferences. Yeah, I'd teams. like us to get I'd like us to get promoted to have the Tyne Tees derby again. That would be nice. It'd be um, good to see all three in the Premier League. Yeah, I'm yeah. Quite so sure it's going to happen because yeah, uh, it's yeah, but a bit tight down the bottom. But yeah, yeah, you know, from a sort of just parochial point of view, you'd like to see Middlesbrough stay up and do well. Indeed, cool. Well, um, I think that covers it, Richard. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? Um, uh, no, apart from the fact I'm looking forward to my tea. <laughs> Very nice. I will not keep you any longer then. Um, so huge thank you for coming on, Richard. As I say, oh, thanks um, for asking me. No problem at all. Um, and obviously, it was hugely fun doing the mentally sound stuff. And and I guess um, I will catch up with you later in the future. Um, but obviously, like I say to people who are listening, as I said earlier, just uh, one more time. Obviously, I mentioned this in the introduction as well. If you go to richardkirby.org, and um, there'll be a link in the description and on iTunes, you can copy and paste the link, or just type it into Google, and you should be able to find it or whatever, any other search engine, whatever, whatever you want to use, and um, you can find out about all the challenges he was doing. And obviously, like I said earlier, if you type in mentally sound on iTunes, and I think if you type in Richard, that should be one of the um, tags that you can find. Um, you'll find Richard's episodes where he does talk about the challenges when he first started doing them uh, way back when, uh, the second time, obviously, as we just touched on, so you can listen to them as well if you're so inclined. But obviously, if you listen to this on iTunes, please do consider subscribing, and thank you so much for checking out the podcast. Uh, huge thank you to Richard, and I'll end the podcast like I always end, of the words of the great beam of your robot jocks crash and burn, and we'll see you very soon for another edition of the Geek of Heartless podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye.